people who make public radio great are also those who listen, and that's you. WMNF's listeners and member sponsors, thanks so much for all the donations that have come in so far during our seven, well, six days so far of fundraising this winter, this February. And now we're asking for your support for the very last couple of hours of news and public affairs during this entire drive. Welcome to WMNF's Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canan. I'm the News and Public Affairs Director here at WMNF. And in this time slot every Tuesday, I interview changemakers about important topics in Florida and in Tampa Bay. My goal is to inform the WMNF audience about things that are impacting their lives so that you have the information that you need to make decisions. During today's show, I'll be playing a few clips from recent shows so that it will remind you about what a valuable asset that WMNF is to the community. And I'll be asking for your financial support for Tuesday Cafe and for WMNF. So thank you very much. I want to thank the last couple of people, uh, the last couple of people who have donated during Democracy Now. Perhaps there will be more that roll in through the hour. That would be great. I'm looking for support for Democracy Now! Um, supporters, also for t- for WMNF's Tuesday Cafe. And keep in mind that there's a challenge on the table. Pete and the Red Mesa Rus- Restaurants Group have challenged WMNF listeners to raise $1,500 this morning for new members especially, but for really anyone who can contribute to WMNF. And if we get that, they will match it with a $1,500 donation of their own. So thank you so much for that challenge. Now, here are some people who are helping to meet that challenge. Yusri Jadala from Apollo Beach is contributing $200, is getting the WMNF t-shirt, actually a couple of them, and says that love all that they love all that WMNF does and that this is not the corporate media. Well, you can say that again. We are definitely not the corporate media. Also, Carla Cheshire from Boone, North Carolina is contributing $88.50, also getting a WMNF t-shirt. Carla says... She appreciates being able to listen to Amy Goodman and Democracy Now! Well, we can bring you Amy Goodman and Democracy Now! because of donations like that and because of donations from from listeners like you. I think to meet the challenge, we need about another $800. So please call right now. If you can make a contribution of anywhere from $1 to $800, your donation to WMNF will essentially be doubled right now because of that wonderful challenge that we have on the table. So please call right now, 813 813- Two three nine nine six six three. In a few minutes, we're going to go and hear a clip or two from my Tuesday Cafe previous shows in the last month or two. But right now, I want to bring in WMNF's General Manager Randy Zimmerman. Welcome to the show, Randy. Good morning, Sean. It's a pleasure to be here, and uh, myself uh, and so many others of you who are now listening who have just discovered Tuesday Cafe. Welcome. Welcome to the Tampa Bay area. Welcome to WMNF Community Radio. Welcome to the Tuesday Cafe. We appreciate you listening, and we know that it is a testament to Sean's approach to the show and how he interviews and the types of interviews that he gets and the people that he introduces you to and the topics that he introduces you to, some of which you may already care about. But now you're hearing about those things in depth and you're not feeling like I did when I first moved to Tampa, a little bit crazy. Like, where 
are the people who think like I do. And then I found WMNF 88.5 scrolling through the dial one day, and here it was. But if you're new to the Tampa Bay area, again, welcome. Thank you for coming to the Tuesday Cafe. And we are listener-supported community radio. We don't have big corporate donors. We don't have a a big university to protect us. Uh, We don't belong to the federal government or the state government or the local government. We need your support right now. That's how we function. So give us a call at 813-239-9663. Or if you're one of those, what I call our streaming dreamers, hit that tip jar at WMNF.org or on the WMNF app and participate. Become part of your community radio station. I would like to hear support, that there's support for Tuesday Cafe and all the great programming on WMNF. We bring you news and public affairs from nine in the morning till noon. And there's a lot of talk right now about expanding that. It looks very likely that we're going to expand news and public affairs. And I I, we all love music here, but I think that uh, that's something that people are calling for, that we, we need another hour of news and public affairs at noon. And wouldn't that be fantastic? And if you think, if you support that, we'd like to hear from you that there should be more news and public affairs on WMNF. We can do that or we can make a case for that when there's financial support for the news and public affairs. Give us a call right now, 813-239-9663 or donate on the web at WMNF.com. Org, help us to meet the challenge that's on the table right now. Really, we could use new donors. If you've never been a member or if you haven't been a member in a while, give us a call right now, 813-239-9663 or donate on the web at WMNF.org. Let's get some, right into some content right now. Um, last hour, Lisa talked to you about some of the really big issues that are going on in Florida. And one of them is about New College of Florida. In January, I spoke with the president of United Faculty of Florida about major upheavals at New College. Around that time, Governor Ron DeSantis had appointed several conservatives to the board of trustees of that college in Sarasota. So here's part of my conversation with Andrew Gothard. He's with United Faculty of Florida. It's the union that represents new college faculty, college faculty across the state, that is. So while you're listening to this interview, if you think that it's important news, if you want to keep content like this continuing on 88.5 FM, please support us with your financial donation by donating at WMNF.org, by hitting the tip jar at the community WMNF Community Radio app, or by calling 813-239-9663. New College is actually a really a gem of an institution. They are very well known and respected. Well, let's talk about two things. First is that New College has historically and consistently been underfunded. We, we hear this all the time from our local chapter members who are attempting to negotiate not just better salary and benefits so that they can draw more competitive faculty, but uh, better funding for the institution so that there can be better programs for com- students who come from the community around the state and around the country. But the metrics themselves, and we have argued this for years, are also deeply flawed. They privilege students who finish in four years over students who don't. They privilege students who do the entire four years of their college education at a single institution, as opposed to doing a few years at a community college and then transferring to finish at a university. So as long as you come from a wealthy family where you don't have to work or slow down your education uh, to take a little bit more than four years, you are, um, if you if you do that sort of straight through in four years, the metrics 
say you look great and your institution looks great for doing that. But if you're any student outside of that, which by the way is most students in the state of Florida, suddenly your institution gets penalized by these lopsided metrics. So I would encourage you and all of your listeners, if you're trying to judge the actual quality of an institution, don't look at the metrics, actually look at the faculty, look at what the students accomplish and look at some of these larger, more objective analyses of what college education actually looks like on the ground. So how might these six appointees, if they are successfully accomplished what it seems like the whole point of this is, how might that change New College of Florida? Well, that's a really good question. We don't really know yet. Um, we, we see some of the rhetoric coming out of um, some of these appointees talking about wanting to establish a classical education. And that's language that comes out of that. That seems to be the very popular thing for charter schools to do right now or individuals who are trying to undermine public K-12 education. And at that level, we, we sort of know what it means. It seems to indicate returning to reading, you know, 19th century text, a lot of almost entirely white men, writers and um you know, things that were written about 100 to 150 years ago. But when you look at a university setting, we already teach all of that. That's usually like the first thing we teach. And then we move on to how knowledge has advanced in the 150 years since those texts were taught. So it almost sounds like what they're proposing is they want to create a degree program that's 150 years behind modern science and technology and art and information. So we don't even really know what they're proposing. And that's the real problem here. When you appoint people to these kinds of roles who are clearly only politically and ideologically motivated, but really don't have the experience when it comes down to building strong programs and maintaining a healthy institution, you hear ideas like this that that sound good in propaganda or sound good on a campaign poster, but don't actually make any sense when it comes to serving the interests and the needs of students who need to be competitive in a national and international job market. So we're going to be interested to see what happens. And I can tell you one thing, if they take even one step to harm the students or the communities or the faculty and staff of New College of Florida, you better believe the United Faculty of Florida are going to be right there to oppose them. Because our interests are to protect higher education, not to push somebody's political propaganda. Our guest is Andrew Gothard, president of United Faculty of Florida. You're listening to WMNF's Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canan, and we're talking about New College of Florida. On Friday, Governor Ron DeSantis appointed six new board of trustees members, and many of them share a kind of conservative education worldview. For example, one of the people that we've talked about a couple of times during this show is Christopher Rufo. On Twitter, Rufo said he wants to eliminate diversity, equity, and inclusion policy. He wants to develop a new core curriculum, and he wants to restructure the administration and academic departments. That's kind of a bold statement for someone who was just nominated to be a new person on a board of trustees for a college. Absolutely. And it's a bold statement for someone who has no experience doing that kind of thing. I would wonder if Christopher Rufo has any idea how any of that is accomplished or or how you even have those conversations. Like, if we think about how 
actual good management of a higher education institution works. What he's describing in a general sense are the kinds of conversations we have all the time on a daily basis, right? What sorts of programs should be offered? What sort of classes should be required versus optional? What sort of standards should we be setting for the base level of facility and knowledge incoming students should have? And then how can they build that out into specializations? These are these are all good conversations to have, but you have to come at those conversations from an objective viewpoint. You have to come at those conversations from wanting to advance knowledge and make sure that students are competitive. And what I hear from that statement from Christopher Rufo is he wants to come at it from a politics first perspective. And that's the kind of thing will, that will automatically lead to a reduction in the quality of education that students will receive. So I don't really know what he's proposing in that. All of that sounds like a lot of political jargon and propaganda. And, you know, quite honestly, in higher education, we don't have time for that because when you have people playing around the way he's describing with firing administrators or putting new people in or upending curriculum just to score political points, the people who suffer in response to that are the students. And that's not fair to them. It's not fair to Florida and it's not fair to Florida's families. That's Andrew Gothard with the United Faculty of Florida speaking last month on WMNF's Tuesday Cafe. And since this interview, the new board of director members at New College of Florida have joined and they've made major changes like getting rid of the president of New College and replacing her with Richard Corcoran, a former Speaker of the House, Republican Speaker of the House at a considerably higher salary. And on this show, we also spoke with one of the very active alumni from New College. We are not done following this story. I'm certainly going to talk in the future, near future, I hope, with some more New College students or faculty or alumni about what's what changes are happening at New College and how, how that's being received by the college down there. It's a state college. It's a really, it's a, a gem among the Florida uh, state colleges. Considered, and, considered, our, considered our honors college here in the state. Yeah, you know, this is one part of what I talked about with Andrew Gothard in that interview is that things look really good for New College in a lot of ways. I mean, in some ways, it's by some of the metrics that he was talking about at the beginning, they don't measure up. But in real world ways, like how, how happy the students are and how happy the faculty and, and what kind of people they, they produce... If that's kind of a weird word to use about people, but you know, uh, when you're when you're a young adult, you're going to college, and then when you emerge from college, you're kind of a different person. And uh, really, a lot of people have great experiences at New College of Florida, and a lot of them are very concerned right now that all that is changing. And so, uh, we're going to keep an eye on that. Th- th- this is nothing more than the governor of our state wanting to control ideas. Plain and simple. When you decide what the curriculum is, when you decide what books are going to be read, when you decide who teaches what, uh, when you have people policing the what people or professors are saying in classrooms, um, when you decide who is in charge of the curriculum, when you literally pull degrees that people can no longer attain, this is somebody who is controlling the ideas in this state. And WMNF is reporting on this, not in a way that seems a little bit sensationalist because I read the New York Times and the Washington Post and a variety of other newspapers. And uh, the way they are reporting this story is not like what we are doing here at WMNF. Uh, and it, it is so uh, such an abomination 
that this story is not getting more legs elsewhere in the way in which it is covered here at WMNF. So the idea here, kind of what you're doing, is going in depth, and now this story can be moved elsewhere, both around the state and hopefully around the country, so that people truly understand what's going on here is really serious if this guy runs for president and takes this on a national level. I don't know. Maybe people want this. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe some people feel, you know, I actually do have some uh, friends and relatives who are in Ron DeSantis's camp, and maybe this is a good thing. If you want to hear this story the way WMNF has been discussing it from the student's perspective, from the faculty's perspective, from the ideas perspective about what the implication is for students, teachers, and the lives of the, the, the kids who make it through our school system, we need you to let us know that you support it. 813-239-9663. Or if you're one of our Stream and Dreamers, hit that tip jar and let us know how valuable this service is to you. And the way that we can bring you interviews like this and shows like this is to broadcast through the airwaves. And that's an expensive prospect. And so we need listener sponsors just like you to keep it going on the air. We have a $1,200 goal this hour. We also have a challenge on the table. So really that your your donation essentially is like it's doubled to WMNF. When you make a $100 contribution right now, it's making a $200 impact to your community radio station. So right now would be a great time for you to donate. Not only is it the very very last hour and a half or so of the WMNF News and Public Affairs programming, it's also a way that because of this challenge that you can double your impact to community radio with your $50 don- donation or your $100 donation. Perhaps there's someone out there who can make a $1,000 donation and make a huge difference for this community. Give us a call right now, 813-239-9663 or hit the tip jar on the WMNF Community Radio app or on WMNF.org. We really need to know that there's support out there for programs like this one, 813-239-9663. Here are some people who donated even before the drive began because they love WMNF so much and they appreciate the programs that we bring you on Tuesday Cafe. Paul and Gail, Gail Carroll, who are in the phone bank room volunteering, answering Thank your calls. Thank you so much. They're donating $88.50 for, for uh, to support Tuesday Cafe and to support WMNF. Also Anonymous from St. Petersburg, $31.50. Thank you. Anonymous is getting a WMNF bumper sticker and William Schumacher from Tampa is donating $25. Thank you. They say this program is always interesting. So thank you for those donations. We really appreciate those. Those are helping us to meet the challenge. We still have a challenge on the table. I think we need to raise about right now about another $700. Yeah, about $730 is what I'm kind of calculating. Yeah, so if we get that, if we get $730 or so right now, we will get an additional $1,500 that was donated by the Red Mesa Restaurant Group as a challenge to listeners to, to find for financial support of a radio station that they love and that you love. Give us a call right now, 813-239-9663 or WMNF.org. And when you make your donation, there's thank you gifts that we can offer, including a couple of USB thumb drives from the Pacifica Radio Foundation. Yeah, uh, it's great stuff, uh, Sean, because what's awesome about these is we read about famous people. We understand that Nelson Mandela is an icon, but here are speeches from folks like Mel- Nelson Mandela, Billie Holiday, John Coltrane, and so many more. 45 hours of audio for our Black History USB drive. Um, and for a $100 donation, folks will be able to get that. 
or for Women's History Month, because we're about to enter that. Um, also from the Pacifica Radio Archives, for a $100 donation, you'll get to hear these fabulous voices like Emma Goodman, Alice Walker, Helen Caldicott, Lily Tomlin, Betty Davis, and so many more, 79 hours on a, an 8-gig thumb drive for a $100 donation. We can thank you, if that's what you would like, with one of these great USBs. Again, that's what we do. We deliver voices that change nations. We deliver voices that create revolutions. That's what we do here at WMNF. We want these great people, great ideas to be conversed with. We want to have those hard conversations so that we can get along peacefully and move the world to a better place. If you believe in those values, and we only ask you this three, maybe four times a year, otherwise we're playing the best of the best for you. 813- 239-9663, or if you're streaming us, or if you hear this on the archives, please hit the tip jar and let us know how much you support what we deliver. Yeah, that's a good point. A lot of people listen to WMNF On Demand. Maybe they're listening on Wednesday or Thursday yeah. to WMNF's Tuesday Cafe. I don't want you to think it's too late. You can always donate to WMNF.org. In fact, for the next 30 days, we'll be counting contributions towards this show and towards the other shows toward our goal. So, Please, even if it's after this 28th of March, please still continue to donate to WMNF.org. And we're going to go back and remind you about why you're donating for the content. Here's some more of what has been on WMNF's Tuesday Cafe in the last few months. In last August, Governor Ron DeSantis suspended the elected state attorney in Hillsborough County, Andrew Warren, accusing him of incompetence and neglect of duty. Warren sued to get his job back, and then there was a trial in December. That's when I interviewed a legal expert about the case. So here's part of my interview with Louis Varelli. He's a professor at Stetson University College of Law in Gulfport. And remember, as you're listening to this interview, Please remember that the station that brings it to you is WMNF, and this kind of programming can only continue if you support this station by calling 813-239-9663 or making a donation at WMNF.org. It's very unusual. Um, There are a few recent examples of Governor DeSantis doing this, but they're overwhelmingly connected with criminal charges or the kinds of really extreme circumstances one would expect. The standard for suspension under the Florida Constitution is a very high bar. And that's in part because the people being suspended are elected officials. And as a general matter, um, the removal or the the prevention of an elected official from doing their the job they were elected to do is meant to be a very rare occurrence. And that's true here too. So if is there recourse, are there checks and balances? Once someone gets suspended, is there any way that they can challenge that? Well, we're seeing it, right? You can challenge it in the courts and the standard would generally be that the governor has overstepped Um, his or her bounds under the Florida Constitution. Um, That's going to be a large part of the conversation surrounding um, State Attorney Warren, but of course there's a First Amendment claim in his case as well. Before the trial even started, both sides weighed in on whether on who would be able to testify, and Warren wanted the governor to testify, to tell him and to tell the public why Warren was suspended. And the governor said he didn't want to, to testify during the trial, and the judge sided with the governor. What do you make of, of that decision by the judge? Well, I think it was a, re- it was a reasonable and, and um, an important request to have the governor testify. And I mean, the First Amendment claim is going to depend largely on the governor's intent and what was going through the governor's mind when he chose to suspend Andrew Warren and why. Um, but it's also not unusual for judges to be cautious about having any elected official testify against their will, especially um, someone with the rank of governor. So what the judge did in the case was say, 
Um, I'm not going to require the governor to testify necessarily, but if something comes up during the trial where I change my mind, I reserve the right to do that. The judge did not change um, their mind, and uh, Governor DeSantis ultimately did not testify, but lots of people close to him were allegedly with knowledge, or with this, ostensibly with knowledge of what he was thinking when he made this decision, did testify. So we should have some pretty good information for the judge to consider in that regard. Our guest is Louis Varelli, a professor of constitutional law at Stetson University College of Law. You're listening to WMNF's Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canan. And we are talking about the Andrew Warren versus Ron DeSantis trial that happened last week in Tallahassee. During that trial, an attorney who represents DeSantis said that Andrew Warren's actions were in the role of a policymaker and should not be considered a First Amendment violation. So what does the law and precedent talk tell us about that that uh, statement. Well, this is a common sort of um, line drawing exercise that we do in First Amendment claims. So the First Amendment protects speech, it does not protect conduct. And that's um, sort of a rough way of describing how a lot of these disputes um, occur. Um, Andrew Warren is claiming, and I think has a pretty compelling case, that signing a letter is a form of speech. Um, we're to, we're, we are to remember that he is an elected official, so it is important that he tell his constituents what he thinks. And that is a form of protected speech. Um, if he were to draft a policy for his office requiring line attorneys in his office, people who work for him, to, pre to prejudge cases um, before they arrive in his office, that would be a separate problem. Um, but there's a very good argument that is not what happened here. And that's really what the crux of this is about. Right? Did Andrew Warren actually do anything that would suggest he's not fulfilling the obligations of his office? And I think the answer is certainly not yet. And there's a really good debate about whether or not he ever would have done anything that would have constituted a um, violation of his legal obligations as state attorney. So I'm hearing you say not yet. He has done nothing wrong yet. So just on my basic knowledge of law, it almost sounds like um, case closed. Obviously, it's not that simple. But why don't you walk us through what steps the judge would have to take in his mind to to um, go from the, the Andrew Warren has done nothing wrong yet to actually siding with the governor? Well, I think, well, I think what the judge in this case would have to do is find difficulty with the First Amendment claim specifically. So the reason, or, and I'm not um, privy to any inside information about what um, State Attorney Warren's team was thinking, right? But one of the reasons to bring a First Amendment claim is that it puts the case in federal court, which would remove it from the federal, prevent it or exclude it from the Florida state courts. And of course, the Florida Supreme Court is um, dominated by a supermajority of DeSantis appointees. I'm not suggesting, I don't know for sure that's what happened in terms of decision-making, but the First Amendment claim has that advantage for State Attorney Warren. The First Amendment claim is harder to prove than a simple violation of the Florida Constitution. Right? So the Florida Constitution sets a very high bar for a governor to suspend an elected official. I think it's very, very hard to make an argument that Governor DeSantis met that bar in suspending Andrew Warren for signing a letter. Um, but in the Fed and federal court, um, State Attorney Warren is going to have to prove something slightly beyond that. He's gonna to have to prove that he was suspended because of what he said. And that's a harder standard to meet because it requires sort of an extra level of intent on behalf of the decision maker. Yeah, so initially I had that's two cool. anonymous sources telling me kind of all right, sorry about that. Uh, that's You just heard Stetson Law Professor Louis Varelli and he was speaking on WMNF's Tuesday Cafe about 
the Warren versus DeSantis case. And since the interview, the judge came out with his decision. In January, U.S. District Judge Robert Hinkle ruled that the suspension violated the Florida Constitution and the U.S. Constitution. But Hinkle said he lacked the authority to reinstate the prosecutor. So this month, Warren appealed that decision to the Florida Supreme Court, asking it to order Governor DeSantis to reinstate him. Warren argued that the governor exceeded his powers by ousting the twice-elected Democrat last year. So that is a story that we've been following since August, and we will continue to follow here on WMNF on the Tuesday Cafe and on other shows. All of our great midday public affairs shows have been covering stories like this all throughout the, the year. And we are asking now for your support of that type of programming. Here's how you can support WMNF and hard-hitting news. 813 813- Two three nine nine six six three. You can make a donation there for an eighty-eight dollar and fifty cent contribution. We can send you one of our great new WMNF T-shirts. We have two different cuts. We have the square cut and the tapered cut. Eight one three two three nine nine six six three or WMNF.org is where you can show you can show your financial support for WMNF. And when you call 813-239-9663, you'll talk to one of our phone bank volunteers and they are getting fed because we have wonderful in-kind donors. Thank you to volunteers Gail and Paul Carroll for baking melt-in-your-mouth cookies. Thank you so much. And then sticking around to take your pledges and tally them up. Thank you so much for that. Also, thank you to Joshua Rumschlag and Mother Kombucha. They sent Living Tea and Aquabucha to share with us here at Community Radio. So thanks for being a returning in in-kind donor. Thanks to our in-kind food donors. Thanks to our phone bank volunteers and all the volunteers here at WMNF. And thank you for your financial contributions. We have a $1,200 goal. We've raised oh about two or $300 so far, but we need to hear from you. We also have a $1,500 challenge on the table. I think we have about $600 or so to go with that, seven, six or $700 to go with that. So right now we need to hear your financial contribution. 813 813- Two three nine nine six six three. And again, this Andrew Warren story is so important. I think whenever I hear he's he's in court to get his job back, I think that's really diminishing the the importance of this story that I don't hear elsewhere. The governor of a state has removed a twice elected public official from their position, not because of incompetence, but because we don't know. Uh, because uh, Andrew Warren wrote a letter saying that he supports a political position. This is why this political official elected by the people was removed. This story is critical to democracy in the United States. Very important story. We're covering it in a way that nobody else is covering it. If you want to continue to hear important stories like this, the stories that Sean Canan has been bringing to you on Tuesday Cafe in depth, the news and public affairs through the middle of the day that informs you, that keeps you connected to the political ideas of the Tampa Bay area and beyond, please give us a call right now at 813 813- Two three nine nine six six three. We really need your support. We've got a seven hundred dollar goal or a fifteen hundred dollar goal, and we're, we're about seven hundred dollars away. So, if you can be one of those super duper supporters of midday public affairs, we really need you to give a call. If you're one of our streaming dreamers, maybe you're listening to Tuesday Cafe on HD three on Saturday. 
and that's your day and time to listen to this great show, hit the tip jar right now because it's n- it's always time to contribute and support Community Radio. 813-239-9663 or WMNF.org. We really need some $100 donations, some $50 donations. Maybe you can join the Circle of Friends at $5 a month or $10 a month. And it would be fantastic to get a $1,000 donation during WMNF's Tuesday Cafe. Here's how you can call 813-239-9663. We got some people to thank right now. Anonymous from Lakeland with a $52.50 contribution. Thank you you for that. John Allen III from Port Ritchie has donated $52.50, is getting the WMNF Peace Magnet. And he says... I've been a dedicated Democracy Now! listener for 30 years, so it's great to hear it on WMNF since I've moved to the Tampa area. Thank you for the great music and local programming as well. Long live non-commercial radio. Well, amen. Non-commercial radio will live long in the Tampa Bay area. Thanks to donors like John Allen III and to donors like you with your financial contribution. 813-239-9663 or WMNF.org. Elizabeth from Tampa has contributed $21. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you. Also, thank you, Patrick from Tampa. Thank you very much, Patrick. $52.50 contribution. Thank Patrick you. likes Tuesday Cafe and Shelly's Midpoint. Great shows. He says, thank you for what you do for the station and the community. Well, thank you for what you do for the community, Patrick. And I want to thank all of our donors. Please continue to donate. I think with those donations, we need about $600 more and we will get that challenge of $1,500. So right now I'm looking for $600, whether that's one hero who will donate $600 to support WMNF right now or six $100 donors, 813-239-9663 or WMNF.org. And also, if you want to pick up a bumper sticker, you can pick up a bumper sticker for a $35 donation or join the circle of friends. Joining the circle of friends mean that WMNF means so much to you. You want to give just a little bit every month. Just put it on your credit card or have it taken from your debit card. It's what I do. As a matter of fact, just became a circle member a year ago. And um, it's just... You don't have to think about it. You set it and forget it. Whatever dollar amount you can do would be great. And it's a huge way to not only let WMNF know you support us, but it's truly the best way we can budget. When we know exactly how much comes in every month, it's huge. So take whatever you're spending on that $5 cup of corporate corporate coffee right now and move it into your WMNF column in your monthly budget. It would so greatly be appreciated. It would be great to have a circle of friend member. Let's say you're going to go uh, and get a T-shirt anyway. Up that pledge just a little bit, $100, maybe $120 for the year, $10 a month. Become a circle of friend member. Let us know that you're part of the community. Get a T-shirt, wear it out. You can get the new one that says, wake up, listen to WMNF, sleep, repeat. And we all know what that wake-up is about. So wear your classic black wake-up WMNF t-shirt. Recognize your friends, whether you're going to you know, a variety of, of supermarkets around the area or Red Mesa restaurants around the Tampa Bay area. There are a bunch of them. My favorite is the Mercado down in St. Pete. But give us a call, 813-239-9663, or hit that tip jar at WMNF.org. I want to go play another clip very soon, but I first want to thank Clinton from St. Petersburg with a $105 Yay, contribution. Thank you. So now I think we need $500, and we'll get that challenge. We'll meet that challenge from the Red Mesa Restaurant Group. And Clinton is picking up our wonderful Black History USB, which is a Pacific, Pacifica Radio Archive 
collection of hours and hours and hours of black history programming from 45 Pacifica. 45 hours for black history USB drive. And Clinton likes the news block of programs here from nine to noon. So he says, Thank keep you. up the good work. Thank you for your support, Clinton. And everyone else, please call now, 813-239-9663. In December, Tampa's police chief resigned. It came after Creative Loafing's Justin Garcia exposed that Chief Mary O'Connor used her position as chief to get out of to get out of a possible traffic offense in Pinellas County. And right after that happened, I spoke with Justin Garcia. Yeah, so initially I had two anonymous sources telling me kind of conflicting information about what happened. And I had to kind of sort through that and narrow down the date. Uh, I will give credit to the PCSO public information officer. um, Pinellas County Sheriff. Yeah, yeah. They kind of worked with me to narrow down the information because initially... One person was saying it was the day before it happened. One person was saying the actual day it happened. We didn't have an exact time frame initially, um, but we were able to narrow it down by looking through calls and stuff like that that occurred uh, in that area because we knew the general area of where it happened. Uh, but even then, uh, initially, PCSO said they couldn't find it. They closed my request. I asked one of my anonymous sources and they said, I'm sure it happened. So I, I asked PCSO to reopen the request. They did. Uh, And then I gained a few more details that I was able to kind of hone in on. And that's when um, eventually after they had closed the request, after they told me to go talk to Clearwater Police Department, which I did um, to make sure it wasn't them. Then uh, finally they came back and said, hey, um, we actually did find this. And that was on Wednesday of last week. And that was the same day that O'Connor informed Caster that the video was going to come out. And then O'Connor showed Castor the video the next day after I received the video. And if I can take it from there, around that same time that you received the video from Pinellas County Sheriff's Office is about the time that Tampa police released it to the public. What took the the city of Tampa, the, the mayor, the police chief, so long to come forward with this, especially once they realized that it, it was probably going to go public? They, they knew you were fishing around for it, that, they, that you were looking for this footage, at least the Pinellas County Sheriff knew. Do you think that they released it quickly or do you think that there was a um, kind of a time lag there? Um, so, yeah, they let me know last Wednesday that they had found the video based on the information I gave them. I had that in an email. And then they told me that there was going to be a delay in releasing it of about 24 hours because they had to do some redactions. That's what they said, at least. And so I said, okay, I can wait until tomorrow. Um, So while I was waiting, you know, I was kind of anxious thinking, you know, am I the first person to get it? So I reached out to them and said, hey, let me know if I'm the first person to get this period, you know, because they said we haven't released this to any media outlets. I was like, am I the first person to get this at all? And they said yes. And when they released it to me, that was about... I would say about 30 minutes before TBD put out their press release about it. So I've now put in a uh, public records request to PCSO to see if they talked to TBD at all in that time frame. You know, uh, a major concern for a lot of people, I think, was that this did happen on November 12th. And uh, in the police internal affairs report, uh, O'Connor says that she told Castor about it on the 30th. So if that's true, why did she wait 18 days if she felt so bad about it, right? Um, that's that's a big kind of red flag in that situation. Um, and I'm still trying to put the pieces together if the video was released to TPD without TPD even making a public records request or if O'Connor contacted uh, PCSO to get the video. 
Um, there's still a lot of unanswered questions. I've put in a few public records requests to try to piece some of that together. Our guest is Justin Garcia. He's a reporter with Creative Loafing Tampa, and he unearthed the body cam video that essentially led to the resignation yesterday of Tampa's police chief, Mary O'Connor. So we're speaking to him about the process, and you're listening to WMNF's Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canaan. So it's it seems like, based on the timeline that you're laying out, that Mayor Castor might not have known about this until the day before the police, uh, the, the body cam footage went public. So it sounds like it was the police chief herself who was kind of sitting on the information that she got pulled over and seems to have used a, a favor to, to kind of uh, get off from getting a ticket or, or whatnot. How does that square in, this, in the whole investigation of whether she would lose her job yesterday or not? Um, so I will say that's what the city is saying happened. You're never sure that that happened, especially as a journalist, until you get some information confirming it. That's why I've made the public records request to see if um, I've made a request to see if Mario on those two days last week, Wednesday and Thursday, if Mary O'Connor talked to anybody on Castor's staff or to Castor herself, just to confirm those facts. You know, um, I think what played into her resignation was. You know, this this story, even though this is some of the less egregious behavior that I've kind of caught TPD in and Mary O'Connor participating in, um, this story, just the, the aesthetics of it, you know, the visual of the, the deputy walking up and saying, hey, what's going on tonight? They're obviously doing something illegal. It's at the minimum a, a traffic violation. And she just uses her badge to get out of it, you know, for a lot of for a lot of people who um, have experienced, you know, disproportionate uh, targeting by the police, um, that looks very unfair, right? To use your privilege to to get out of that, and so I think that's why it went viral, why it became international news, is because it kind of speaks to a larger issue of police using their status to get out of situations. And you know, so they talked about it on CNN actually live, and an ex-sergeant on CNN live said, "Yeah, we do that all the time, just kind of." openly admitted and bragged about it. And so it speaks to this larger issue within police culture, as they call it. We do that all the time. Well, that's Justin Garcia, reporter for Creative Loafing Tampa, talking on WMNF's Tuesday Cafe about his story that led to the resignation of Tampa's police chief in December. Uh, so much uh, news happens in this Tampa Bay area, and some so much of it is under under is is reported that is by independent news journalists like Justin Garcia, like WMNF. So we hope that you p- keep WMNF going strong with your financial support by calling eight one three two three nine nine six six three. I want to remind you that we have a challenge on the table. The Red Mason Restaurant Group has donated will donate fifteen hundred dollars if we can get fifteen hundred dollars and donations this morning. And we've so far raised quite a bit of that. But I think that once Randy thanks this next person who has already donated, that I think we'll still need to raise about $500 more. So are you out there? Can you help us to meet this challenge with your $500 donation by calling 813-239-9663? Or perhaps you can donate $100 and help us meet that challenge or 300 or 50, however much you can do. Help keep radio going strong, community radio in the Tampa Bay area. Help us to meet this challenge. Your your impact to WMNF will essentially be doubled with your $100, $200, or $500 donation. 813 
239-9663 or WMNF.org. Just want to mention Justin Garcia and the great reporting that he does create for Creative Loafing, another great independent news source in the Tampa Bay area. And Justin uh, not only was a WMNFer, but is now back on The Skinny on Fridays during uh, midday public affairs at the 11 o'clock hour. Uh, and it's just a great, great show. And it's not just The Skinny, but there's also Midpoint. So if you missed Midpoint, if you missed Surly Voices, if you missed all those shows, this is it for our midday public affairs. We will not be pitching for midday public affairs past today. So again, it's always the right time to contribute to WMNF, just like Byron Williams and Sarasota did, gave a very generous $105. Thank you, Byron. And uh, says we are big new college supporters and are crushed at what they are doing. Mm. And like all of our other uh, WMNF listeners, as smart as you are, educated us a little bit. Medea Benjamin is an alum of New College. Medea Benjamin, creator of uh, Code Pink, uh, and just a wonderful guest, regular guest on Democracy Now!, regular guest with WMNF, uh, has strong ties to WMNF's uh, Arlene Engelhart and Mary Glennie, and um, just great ties to the Tampa Bay area. So thank you so much, Byron, for your generous pledge from Sarasota. And it would be great if we heard more from Sarasota. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, uh, we have heard from Lakeland. We've had a couple of pledges from uh, uh, Tampa. Pasco County. Pasco County. I think we still need some folks down in... uh, Beaches Way, right? We haven't heard from Dunedin or Palm Harbor. Mm-hmm. So it would be great to hear from you folks. Clearwater. Maybe someone on Clearwater, Treasure Island. It would be mm-hmm. awesome. Um, and this is it for Midday Public Affairs. We just don't do this every day. We don't ask for money every day. We're giving you these great stories, in-depth, hard-hitting, 813-239-9663. Or if you're listening online, if you're listening to Tuesday Cafe on Saturday, Always a good time to hit that tip jar. We so appreciate your support. 813-239-9663. About $500 to go, and we'll meet this challenge of $1,500 donation from Red Mesa Restaurant Group. We hope that you will help us to meet that challenge with your gift of $50, $100, or maybe $500. 813-239-9663. And as Randy was mentioning, you know what? In 24 hours, we will have regular programming. Tomorrow morning at 9, we'll hear a full hour of democracy now. And then Shelly will host a live midpoint show that will not include a hard pitch of asking for money. She will be doing interviews and a regular midpoint show, which is an excellent show and so on. And we'll hear Talking Animals at 11. So this is it. If you do support news and public affairs, which we hope you do, in the next hour and 10 minutes is all we'll be doing of asking until the summertime or 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 later. I'm not sure when the next drive is. 813-239-9663 or WMNF is how you can show your support. And for your donation of $88.50, we can send you our new WMNF t-shirt. You can choose which size, and of course, and which cut you'd like. We have a square cut that has a crew neck and we have the tapered cut that has a scoop neck. Either one of those is available for an $88.50 contribution. We'll send it to you as a thank you gift. Another thank you gift we have is, you know you're going to Tropical Heat Wave. You might as well donate for your tickets right now. For a $288 donation, we will send you a pair of tickets to Tropical Heat Wave May 6th at the Cuban Club. Yeah, great stuff. You can pick up a pair of tickets for $288. Or if you want that special Tropical Heat Wave experience, you're feeling like you really want to support the comeback of this blending of news and public affairs and music and all this diversity, this great WMNF party that we have every year, and you know you're going to go, why don't you pick up that Oasis pack for a thousand bucks? 
totally send uh, midday public affairs over the top and get that experience. You're going to get two tickets. You're going to get pre-Heatwave t-shirts. So we're making special t-shirts just for Heatwave and you will get those in advance to wear or not at your choosing and access to our Oasis tent, which is going to have special snacks, some places to sit down uh, out in the cantina. Uh, you'll have some shade until the sun goes down. So uh, why don't you pick up that Oasis pass and let us know how much you just appreciate what we do here at WMNF. 88, I'm sorry, 813-239-9663. But I don't want to, you, you got to do something really good here. Well, in January, I talked with a group of students from Sweden. They take classes on a ship that sails out of Tampa to destinations like Cuba and Belize. About 40 students walked to WMNF Port of Tampa. From their tall ship Ganilla that was docked in the Channel District, we only had room for six of them on the microphone. So here they are. And please, as you're listening to this, please donate to WMNF's Tuesday Cafe by calling 813-239-9663 or WMNF.org. Well, we have classes on board, of course, uh, but they're only about four hours a day when we are out sailing. And um, we have a lot of own responsibility about our assignments. So we are, have a list of assignments that we are going to do by the time we get home. And everyone kind of regulates where we choose to do these assignments. Uh, but they're based on the places we go. And... Um, we help sail, sail the ship eight hours a day, so it's more sailing than school, really. Yeah, and then we also have our teacher, Annelie, uh, with us, and she helps us with the assignments. What are the classes that you take? Well, we do a bunch of different classes, and uh, since it's our graduating year, we have uh, now come in a part where we can choose to take up uh, um, some more uh, personal or uh, um, different subjects where we really choose what we learn but it's uh, uh, since we do a um, social studies uh, like in general we have uh, English Swedish we have history we have social studies uh, and then you can do psychology f uh, philosophy and uh, maths and uh, biology and stuff so it's very difference and a lot of different subjects but it sounds like similar subjects to people who are studying back home uh, on land but you, i imagine you also have a lot of maritime studies as well what is maritime oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, about the seas about the ships uh, uh oh, studying yeah, about the yeah. ships. we um we learn a lot while we sail so uh, are like uh, crew <laughs> on the ship yeah they help us a lot but yeah. uh yeah and I was looking at the website and it says that there's different specialties that you can take in classes while you're there. There's a natural sciences program, there's a marine engineering program, social sciences, and the maritime program with two specializations. You can specialize in deck or machinery. Have you each decided on your specialty and are, are there different ones that you could tell me about? Like, for example, is anyone specializing in one of the, either the deck or the machinery? Uh, we're all uh, specializing in social studies because we choose that when we start uh, like uh, in high school. So you choose that and then you can switch, but then you have to like, it's a, a long process. So we just stay with social studies all three years. Okay. Yeah. 
Well, I just want to remind people that we're speaking with students from Sweden, and they are sailing aboard the tall ship Gonella, and they're joining us here at WMNF. We have six of them on the microphone here in the studio, and you're listening to WMNF's Tuesday Cafe. There are even more in the adjoining studios so that uh, they can kind of watch their classmates and, and help participate that way. And I'm Sean Canan, and I'm talking to them about what life is like in Sweden, what life is like aboard the ship, and I'd like to get your input. I want to ask each of you, what made you decide that you wanted to study on a ship? I decided to go here because I love sailing, so and I love traveling, and the school really gave that opportunity, so that's probably the main reason why I chose to go here. Yeah, and uh, I've been sailing since I was a kid, uh, around six years old, so, and uh, decided when I was around 12 or 13 that I wanted to be a captain someday and felt that this was the optimal school for me um, because I get the uh, hours and I uh, get some maritime studies and uh, yeah, it's really cool to get to travel the world and see stuff. Yeah, and I think I just mainly wanted to do something different than like a regular high school. Uh, and then I chose this high school and it was a great decision. Well, I kind of just fell into it. I had never sailed before and I just chose it because I was very tired of normal school. So I thought maybe this could be something different and I have fell completely in love with it. And I want to continue uh, with uh, sailing in the future. Yeah, and uh, my situation was uh, quite similar to Eskil's. I did not really have any prior experience, but I felt like this uh, school offered like an av adventure and something different to a normal school and sounded fun to me. Uh, yes, yeah, so all different uh, things that are uh, fun to do, like sailing, and I did, had never done that before. But I was mostly interested in culture and, and uh, language, so to do that in, um, in practice in other languages abroad, um, that was really the one thing that made me go to this school. Well, those were students from Sweden we spoke to on WMNF's Tuesday Cafe last month. We compared what it's like in the U.S. to Sweden for things like healthcare, education, religion, and guns. And we had a lot of fun. So if you'd like to go back and listen to that interview, it's on our website, wmnf.org. Well, we're raising funds here in the last three minutes of WMNF's Tuesday Cafe before the great show Wavemakers with Janet and Tom comes on. And before I get too far, I want to remind people or tell people what's coming up next week on Tuesday Cafe because I have a special Next week, I'm going to speak to the author of a new book about the Beatles in Florida in 1964. And I'll also speak with the curator of a Beatles museum in Dunedin in Pinellas County. So I hope you check that out on March 7th. If you're a Beatles fan, tell the Beatles fans in your lives to check out WMNF's Tuesday Cafe at 10 o'clock next Tuesday morning, March 7th. Also, um, Shelly comes up tomorrow with with uh, Midpoint and next up is Wavemakers with Janet and Tom Sherberger. Well, we're asking for your support. So I hope you call in if you like the interviews that you heard this hour or you've been hearing all winter and fall on WMNF's Tuesday Cafe. Please show your support, 813-239-9663. Remember, we had a $1,500 challenge. We still had about $500 to go in that. Let's see how we did. Gene Campbell from Seminole has contributed $210. So thank you for helping us to reach that challenge. I can't think of a show that I don't like, says Gene. So thank you so much for that. 
And Donna Alexander from Tampa has contributed $1,050 to WMNF's Tuesday Cafe and is picking up a WMNF t-shirt. So thank you. So guess what? With that donation, Donna, we do receive that $1,500 challenge from the Red Mesa Restaurant Group. Thank you very much to the Red Mesa Restaurant Group for $1,500 for donating to Democracy Now! for that. We really appreciate that. Here's another gift that just came in, a $20 donation from Thomas Prince from Tampa. Thank you, Thomas, for that donation. And a WMNF Anonymous member now is from Indian Rocks Beach is joining the Circle of Friends at $75 a month with a $900 contribution is getting WMNF bumper stickers. Thank you for this anonymous donation. Um, one of each bumper sticker, and it is counting toward the Red Mesa match. So we will we have we will get that match. And thank you for that donation. Thank you so, so much to all of our donors. We did exceed our goal this morning on Democracy Now! and on WMNF's Tuesday Cafe. Thanks to the generous donations from listeners like you. Please continue to support WMNF. We have one more hour left of public affairs programming during this drive. That's Wavemakers. Call now and support Wavemakers 813-239-9663 or donate on the web at WMNF.org. Thanks so much to everyone for your financial contributions. 